Welcome to Homebase Hope, all about autism, the show that invites you to think differently, inspires you to take a whole child approach, and most of all, instills hope when it comes to your child and autism. I'm your host, Rhiannon Crisp, from homebasehope.com.au. Let's get into it. Hi guys, and welcome back. I'm super excited to be sharing some really practical advice with you today. We're going to be talking all about visuals. Visuals to promote communication, visuals to use in everyday life around the house, and visuals that you might like to use at school. I'm sure many of you are already very familiar with visuals but want to learn more, and there might be some of you who have heard about visuals but just don't know where to start. So today I have invited a very passionate speech pathologist to talk with us and to help us navigate the ins and the outs of using visuals. So strap in and get ready for some really practical advice. Today we are talking to Shay Rogers. Shay is the founder and clinical director of Small Talk Speech Therapy and Speech Pathology Resources. She has a special interest in helping children with autism using visuals and augmentative and alternative communication and by working out the links between communication and behaviour. Shay has a team of speech therapists who also have behaviour management training working to improve the communication of children in the Newcastle area. Being passionate about visuals has led Shay to develop ready-made visual supports for families and schools, which can be found on her online shop. Welcome, Shay. Thanks so much for having me, Rhiannon. I'm really excited to be sharing some tips on visuals. Yes, excellent. I can't wait to dive into it. But before we do, I'd like to rewind the clock a little bit and um, just get a bit of insight into your background and how you um, came to start running your own speech pathology business in the Newcastle area. Well, I uh, decided on my career path really early on in year 10 when I did work experience at a speech pathology practice and I just knew it, it was the right um, path for me and I always wanted to work with children. So once I graduated from university, I went straight into a private practice job working with children and I just really enjoyed working with kids with special needs and just the challenge of figuring out the puzzle to help them communicate and become verbal Um, and I did I found there were some restrictions on how I was able to practice in that setting and really wanted to be flexible in delivering a high quality service so that's when I started my own practice. Awesome Um, well let's dive into it so we're talking all about visuals so I'd love to start um, just by asking you what exactly are visuals for parents who aren't so familiar with them? Visuals are a picture, symbol, sign, word or display that we use to illustrate or add meaning. And visuals, we see them all around us, all throughout the day. So they could be road signs, they could be logos, it could be um, packaging of our food. There's so many visuals that are all around us all of the time. So it's interesting to think about what visuals are available to children um, who might have language difficulties Mm. and we tend to use visuals a lot for children on the spectrum Um, and there's lots of different reasons why we use them and I'd love to um, I'd love to ask you why why is it that we use visuals for kids on the spectrum I think one of the main reasons is that generally children on the spectrum have 
a very um, strong skill set in visual learning. And I think really tapping into that strength can make a huge difference in terms of their language development, improving their behaviour. Um, and we do know that about 33 to 50% of kids on the spectrum might fail to develop functional speech. And so giving them another avenue in which they can communicate in another language that suits their learning style um, early on is really important. Mm. And there are lots of different ways that we can use visuals, aren't there? And there are six main ways that I'd like to um, discuss with you. And the first one is using visuals to communicate um, because this is a real, um, I suppose, big area that we use visuals in. Um, How how can parents use visuals to communicate? Can we touch on that? Sure. Um, I think there's a few different aspects um, to answer that question uh, in terms of using visuals to express themselves from the child's perspective. Um, there are so many different options in terms of visual books, communication books, um, iPad apps that can really help in t- uh, the child to express themselves. And those tools really require a speech pathologist to sort of help you figure out which system is going to be uh, appropriate for the child and and where their skills lie. Um, And another way to use visuals for families is to have the parent modelling visuals uh, very often. So it's actually teaching them that vocabulary, they're having experiential um, references to the symbol set so that means that um, they're able to more quickly pick up that other language that is visuals. Mm. Okay, so at what point would a parent say, you know, I think I might need to use visuals with my child? You know, is it if they're not meeting developmental milestones or at what point is that red flag that we might think we need to use visuals for communication? Well, I'm a big believer in using visuals for most kids I know I used them for my son who was a little bit delayed in his expressive language due to some ear infection decreasing that frustration early on so not letting it get too difficult for the child and frustrating and then what you find is a lot of behaviors coming out because that's the only way they can communicate so just providing an option for them early on and we know that visuals actually strengthen um verbal speech as well so they do create that depth of meaning and really help with vocabulary development so I would say start it very early on especially if your child has a diagnosis um, because you're teaching that other mode of communication so it just gives your child options so sometimes they might not know the verbal word but they can interpret a symbol or a photo and that gives them that other option for communicating. Hmm. Okay. And um, in terms of using visuals at home to communicate, parents can make their own visuals or um, where would they go to get visuals? How, what do they do? There are so many resources and these days with the internet, there are um, so many free tools that you can use to create your own. So even just Google Images is an awesome tool. So you can actually type in if you want a symbol, like a, more of a clip art picture or a photograph, you can sort of specify that. So I often use it for environmental um, visuals. So that might be 
a picture of a shop or the front of a building that you go to often. So you can often just get that off Google or Google uh, Maps. So that's one tool that I really suggest. There's uh, a lot of apps as well that can be really helpful for families that uh, utilise that symbol set. Um, there's something like Custom Boards has a huge library of symbols that's just ready to go for you and you can print out different grid sizes different games using visuals using uh, that app um, also just things like powerpoint slides for visual um, social stories uh, and vocabulary learning there's also board maker and board maker online which is a software system that you can use to create your own visuals and also another tool that's low cost is the website teachers pay teachers and it's very um, robust there's so much you can search for on there and they often have low cost um, resources that you can just download awesome and um, and so once they so obviously they print it out print out the visuals and usually um, they're laminated aren't they and stick some velcro on the back yeah 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 we tend to laminate them just makes them last that little bit longer uh, makes them more durable and you can wipe it down keep it clean and that sort of thing so definitely laminating them is perfect okay awesome um was there anything else you wanted to add in regards to using visuals for communication um i know there are different programs and pecs is um you know parents mm. may have heard of the pecs program um, and I suppose they sort of tend to get yep. confused between what a visual is and what PEX is because they sort of intertwine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and they have similar uses. I think uh, the main purpose of using something like PEX is to teach the child what communication is all about in terms of I need to take a turn, then you need to take a turn, and it really teaches that behavioural reinforcement. Um, because it does focus on um, requesting quite a lot. So the child will be um, taught to request something that they are, they really like and then the adult will respond. So it really teaches just that early exchange process um, um, and then it does start to build on simple sentences such as I want iPad, that sort of thing. Uh, and then in terms of using other visuals apart from pecs you can use those for many different reasons um, not just requesting so it might be to express feelings to protest to something instead of using a, a behavior to protest being able to say no or stop making comments um just oh that that was fun things like that uh being able to engage with others and share their thoughts and ideas so it's a little bit more robust to use a, a bigger system um but pecs can be perfect for that early communicator mm, awesome awesome all righty let's um jump to the second thing that i'd like to talk about today and that is using visual schedules so um can you talk us through what a visual schedule is yeah, sure. A visual schedule can be about an activity or a routine. Uh, so it's actually a sequence of symbols or photos, whatever your choice of visual might be, um, that helps a child follow a specific sequence. So I've actually got an example here. So um, this one 
is an example of a morning schedule. So it might be something like have breakfast, have your medication, and get dressed, brush teeth, and then off to school. So you can obviously vary that depending on your morning routine. Um, and it gives the child those extra prompts so that they're not having to rely on the parent to constantly remind them throughout the day. And it has it is that visual reminder so they can become more independent in managing that, managing their time themselves. Another example of a visual schedule is an activity schedule. And so this can be used um, to break down a specific activity. So this one is uh, specific to a school setting and the child might be listening to a long instruction that the teacher is giving about an activity. So they might um, be told that think from the board and then cut it up, glue it on and colour it in. So that's quite a lengthy instruction, uh, but if you can break it down into into those steps involved in the activity, then they've got that reference that they can refer back to as well. And it definitely um, helps to increase the child's independence and they generally will rely less on those visuals once they're familiar with that routine or activity schedule. Yeah. Mm, yeah, awesome. And and it really helps with that self-esteem. So when they've got they've mastered that independence, it boosts their self-esteem, they feel more confident um, yeah, and particularly with school life, it becomes a lot easier, doesn't it? There's less anxiety and they just feel more comfortable and confident. Um, and I think it's yeah, really important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's really important too to remember that we all use visuals, you know. We all have a calendar or a diary or something that we use to rely on. Um, and for these little kids who sometimes have a lot yeah. going through their brain or it's a little bit chaotic, um, having something that they can refer to is um, a really helpful strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I can't live without my Siri reminders and my iPhone calendar. So it is something that we rely on a lot as adults and it's really great to think about how we can provide those types of tools in a child-friendly sort of um, format. Mm, awesome. Um, all righty, so the Third thing that I'd like to talk about is first, then visuals. Um, you know, if you ever walk into a special development school, you'll always hear the teacher saying first this, then that. Um, if we could talk a little bit about how that is used in a visual format, that would be awesome. Yeah, no worries. Um, so with the first then, it often has two boxes. I don't have an example with me, but there'll be a, uh, one box and then an arrow to the next box. So um, within those boxes, you'll uh, have visuals that you can interchange depending on the activity that you're doing. So for instance, it might be um, first you need to complete a work task or you need to complete a chore or routine and then you can have a preferred item. So it, it helps with the motivation for the child it helps them sort of understand the instruction and that um, consequence kind of uh, relationship, I suppose. Um, and oftentimes, definitely um, teach the child a non-preferred um, first step and then a preferred second step. So an example might, might be something we work on a bit is teaching a child to sit at the table to complete activities. So it might be first sit 
then you can have a look at something on the iPad or first it, then we can play this game together. So it's um, that's one example of using a first then. And another way is like I spoke about routines and activity schedules. Um, you can break that down even further. So you could say have breakfast, then we're going to have your medication. So it's a simpler way of showing that um, sequence of events as well for those early communicators. Mm, okay. So in the first, it's putting a picture of a non-preferred um, activity there and then followed up with a reinforcer under then um, with something that they're motivated yeah. to do. So um, we're getting them, encouraging them to do that first non-preferred activity. That's right, yeah. That's the most successful way to use the first then, yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, Alrighty, the fourth thing I'd like to cover with you is a choice board um, and ways that parents can use choice boards at home and, and what sort of kids might benefit from a choice board. Yeah. Um, I think choice boards, for, for starters, are, um, it could be a symbol set or a page that the child has some options to choose from so that can give the child a sense of control a sense of purpose and um, a sense of self-expression as well so for instance um, if a child's not very good at organizing their time or they like to obsess about one specific activity or tv show you can use a choice board so this is an example of like a play board so they might have um, a few different choices what can I do with my time when we're at home playing uh, for instance they might be able to choose or oh, they've got a choice of a ball playing outside doing bubbles so you would choose things the child you know the child is interested in and then provide that array of choices to them and it really depends on their level um, of development in terms of how many choices you would put on the page as well. Some children might only be able to handle a choice of two items and other children might be able to um, choose from a symbol set of 12, say. Uh, and you can use those choice boards for a number of different things. So I just gave that play example. Um, you could use it for food choices as well uh, in terms of what snacks might be available and pop that on the door of the um, pantry. You could use a choice board for places to go. So sort of putting that um, near the front door, if the child's getting a chance to decide what they want to do that day, maybe go to the park or the beach or something. Um, and oh, there are so many uses. That's a couple of examples. <clears throat> but it does help to decrease that frustration um, in terms of the and behaviour in terms of the child making their own choices and having some some say in what they're doing with their time. Mm, yeah, awesome. I can see it could be really beneficial for kids, um, you know, I suppose who have that decision-making difficulty and they can't decide. So if you could give it to them in a visual format, they might be more likely to make it make a choice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Alrighty, um, so the fifth thing, so number five is um, visuals to structure the environment. So I know a lot of parents who have sort of independently done this themselves without any input from therapists, but um, 
they've naturally started labeling things at home and around the house. So on certain shelves mm. or um, in certain drawers, they'll label what goes in there. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. um, visuals to structure the environment? Yeah. Um, I know that we've, we've talked about using visuals to add meaning and depth of meaning and build vocabulary. So the more we can have visuals present in, in the environment, the more that benefit that's going to have to the child. So some examples um, that I generally work to are having a um, some, some location-specific, I'll just grab this board here, location-specific boards or vocabulary. So I know on my son's um, chest of drawers with his clothes, we have each drawer labelled um, in terms of which one's got his shirts and his pants and his nappies. So that gives here a bit of a chance to be a bit more independent he can help with putting clothes away getting clothes out of the drawer um and actually it, it also helps my husband because then it, it keeps things in an orderly fashion <laughs> um and also using visuals in say the bathroom is another place that um, I often suggest using visuals. So, for instance, with toilet training, having the, the sequence up on the wall next to the toilet um, or brushing teeth um, or even a prompt board for the shower or bath in terms of what places you need to wash yourself. Um, so, so generally the bathroom and the bedroom, getting dressed are, are areas that we focus on. And even in the kitchen you can use lamps tables in terms of where to find the plates and the cutlery as well so the child can then um, assist with chores or meal preparation as well. Mm, awesome. Um, yeah, I can. that is really useful and I've found a lot of parents, as I said, just start doing this themselves like it's something that they've found to be really useful um, and I think it's so great that parents, are, you know, have this initiative and, and start doing this themselves so it's fantastic to see. Um, all righty, so the yeah, last definitely. thing. Sometimes I know parents can be quite overwhelmed with, um, you know, creating so many visuals themselves. So there are so many um, resources that you can find on the web that are easily easy to download around toileting and that sort of thing. So that's definitely something to keep in mind because it's sometimes a barrier that seems so large that a lot of families have trouble to get started with that. Mm. We might talk about that in a minute. I wanted to come back to that in terms of, um, yeah, looking further into that and what are other options that they can use if they don't want to print off a thousand visuals with a thousand visuals floating around yeah. the house and um, can get a bit all too much. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. number six. So the last thing is um, that I wanted to cover was um, – I suppose this comes under the communication banner as well, but I want or a, a can I please have um, visual. So it's sort of structuring that sentence mm -hmm. to help them to ask for something. Um, yeah, how, how yeah. do you use this? Uh, I think it's a very early skill and we do use that sort of um, sequence or requesting um, tool quite often in the early stages because the child will be very motiva motivated to ask for things that they prefer. So it's just, te again, teaching that exchange. They actually need to take action 
to get something that they want. So it's teaching that relationship of I have a turn to say something, then you have a turn. And definitely using those um, starter phrases is is a way to extend their uh, vocabulary and length of sentence as well. So if you have a child who's only using the single word to request, then you might go to something like an I want strip uh, and try and build it from there. So they might then verbally be prompted to say, want ball, and then you'd work backwards and then I want ball, just depending on their level of um, express- expressive language there. Yeah. Okay. And um, so this is used for kids who, would you say, um, sort of what level of communication? Um, you know, for some kids who are nonverbal, is this something that you would start with like a a little I want strip and then just have um, a space for a child to put a picture there of what they want or or what sort of level um, would they start with this? Yeah, definitely Um, if a child is nonverbal or even just using a few single words, um, they do need to be able to discriminate um, or the the therapist or parent needs to be able to preempt what they actually want. So generally we'd use it for very um, familiar objects. So maybe the parent is very good at interpreting how the child expresses in behaviour that they want a drink or something and then <clears throat> that, that makes the strip more successful because they can easily choose that item for the child. But if the child has strong visual um, skills in choosing off a choice board or something, then um, that's generally where we'd work up to something like that so that they can choose and have more um, options to choose from to put on the I want. Okay, cool. Um, So we were talking a bit before about um, creating visuals and for some parents this can be a bit overwhelming um, because, you know, trying Mm. to get visuals for everything, you know, you seem to have so you, you get a folder and you um you develop you get so many. Are there any alternatives like electronic formats um, that parents can use or any apps that parents can use um, to sort of simplify it a bit so they're not having to print out loads of visuals if this is not what they want to do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of different apps available uh, that give the visuals that digital form it's flexible you can customize it so I I suppose um, one example that I'm thinking of is ChoiceWorks app and that's an app that um, uses visual schedules and routines and even first then and you can also add something like a timer as well that ticks down and it's also got the finished um I'll move the item across when it's finished. So that's an electronic version um, of the visual schedule. And uh, sorry, Shay, that's called some cho- of the Choice yeah. Works. Choice Works. Yeah. Yeah. And do yeah. you know how much that costs roughly? Ooh, probably when I bought it, it might have been maybe like $6 or something. Okay. That one's pretty low cost. Yeah, great. But app prices change all the time time so yes yeah look it up mm. <laughs> sorry were you I interrupted there were you on a train of thought <laughs> or have you forgotten what you were going to say yeah <laughs> that's all right okay yeah. um I forgot the rest 
rest of the question. <laughs> no, that's all right. It was just, yeah, just seeing what sort of alternatives there were. Um, so Choice Maker, uh, Choice Works yeah. was one of them. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And there are interactive visuals, which really help to strengthen the child's skills. So that might be things like apps such as Bitsboard. There's one called Bitsboard where you can upload your own images. You can make games out of those images to practice the child's identification of the symbol or photo. Um, the other apps that do similar things are Tiny Tap, you can create your storybooks and interactive activities where the child can find um, the photo or symbol that you're working on. And similarly, an app called See Touch Learn is a similar type of app to those other ones. And Special Words is an app that you can use for identifying symbols but it also integrates the written word and and working on the written words is also a point to make in terms of strengthening those literacy skills tapping into that visual strength as well so it's definitely not something to be ignored um, even from a young age just putting that word that written word with the visual um, can really have a long-term benefit okay so, yeah, in terms of using the visuals and that, you've just brought up a question for me. Um, should should the visual always have the word um, under it? So if it's a picture of a dog, should it have should it say dog underneath it? Yeah, definitely. I would suggest that always putting the written word with the visual is um, definitely recommended. And that's because it taps into that visual skill and and. Um, creates the awareness of a written word as well. And when we talked about adding that depth of meaning, it's not just to the spoken word then, it's also to the written word. So if they do come across it in a book, they might then relate it to that symbol and the written word that they've um, previously learnt. Mm, awesome. Okay. Alrighty. What about visuals at schools? Um, so if parents were wanting to bring in some visuals to help their child at school, whether it's to communicate or to follow the um, routine a bit better, to reduce anxiety, to increase um, self-esteem and confidence. What are some of your top visuals that um, you'd recommend for kids at school? <laughs> um, something we've already discussed are visual schedules for routines and activities, and I know a lot of teachers are getting really great at um, using these visuals for the whole class so it just helps kids to know what's coming next and as you said really help with any anxiety or difficulty transitioning between tasks as well so I know that um, a lot of schools use it for transitioning between it from a small group back to a class activity um, and even just to signify when the break times are as well so um, that's a way to integrate the routine and activity schedules into the school day um, and also to follow instructions that the teacher is giving. So if you've got that visual representation available to the child, maybe on their desk, that they can identify specific vocabulary that the teacher is using within those instructions um, just so they have something to refer to to add that meaning to what the teacher is verbally expressing. Um, one of my favourite um, visuals to use at schools is something like a play plan or social story. 
So a play plan um, helps the child to prepare for their break times because I know it's a real challenge in terms of isolation or bullying or not having anyone to play with um, during the break time. And that stems from things like schools that break time and maybe difficulty with social skills or play skills as well. So something like a play plan can really help the child to think about organising their time and planning, uh, for instance, who they might play with. They might have a choice of kids in the classroom in a visual format that the teacher goes through with them, okay, where who are you going to choose to play with today? And also you might have a board of choices in terms of activities and where to play in the um, playground because I know a lot of schools have separate areas and possibly I know schools have rotations so sometimes they might have specific years that are able to use the playground on that uh, on the playground that day so little rules like that it's really useful to have something like a play plan and it helps the child to think about what they would like to be doing during the break and helps the teacher to support them to do that as well. Mm, I love that. I love a play plan. Um, that's awesome. And you did touch yeah. on social stories. What What is a social story? So social stories are just very simplistic Um representations of sort of social experiences so for instance it might be a little book that you put together about say I'll use that example of recess or lunchtime at school Um, so it might be um, touching on these are the rules in the playground Uh, these this is some some ways that I might be able to play with other kids and it's a really simple way that the child can understand with related pictures and you would use probably pictures that are specific to that environment just to create that personal meaningful link for the child as well Um, and speech pathologists often are involved in the development of social stories Um, but there are some online tools that you can use as well to create those. Mm. Yeah awesome I can see how they can be really useful at school for a whole lot of different things um you know we've used them you know for kids to keep their hands to themselves you know for the fidgeters you like to touch everyone or um touch things and can't keep them hands to themselves or sharing and taking turns um how to play with others um yeah following the rules yeah all those simple things that sort of need to be explicitly taught You can also use them in the community um, or home settings to prepare the child for something that's a bit out of routine. So it might be going to the hairdresser, going to the dentist. Um, We actually have one on our website for new clients to our practice and it basically shows them what the environment looks like, um, you know, who's going to be in that environment, where they need to go, um yeah so it just decreases that um sense of change uh and really helps them to prepare for what's coming and know what's expected of them in those settings Mm -hmm. yeah awesome all righty um was there anything else you wanted to cover before we start to wrap it up um 
Was there anything else? That uh, you I just to- wanted to probably mention some. Yeah, I wanted to mention some um, tips around using AAC because I know it's something that a lot of families tend to shy away from, um, maybe with the fear that using some, something like an AAC system, which is basically a symbol set um, that the child can use to express themselves, might be a speech gen device on the iPad and a lot of families have a fear um, of using a a device like that and I think it stems from a lot of the question we get asked very often is um, but I don't want my child to stop speaking and I just wanted to sort of bust that myth um, and let you know about the strong research that we have that shows that those that, that visual and that AAC system really can help develop language. And if you have a think about what we've discussed with visuals, that really makes a lot of sense because the child's being able to connect some more meaning to the words. Um, they've got options in front of them. Uh, you know, they've got a huge, robust system that has um, so many options. So that free expression, it's not just about requesting. They can protest, they can make long sentences, they can tell a story, they can retell things during their day and it's just a really flexible tool. Um, And, yeah, I think um, there are so many different options available. The iPad is a a tool that's really changed the realm of AAC um, and made it so much more affordable for families as well because you can get some low-cost apps, um, even free apps to try out. Uh, but it is something that should be prescribed by your speech pathologist because we really need to tap into the child's strengths and what works best for that particular child because there's so many systems out there. Mm, Okay. So AAC is augmentative and alternative communication. Um, And so is it just basically ways of sharing our ideas and feelings without, without, um, actually talking is that basically what it is yeah yeah definitely and the device will give the verbal output um usually for you but there are some some AAC systems where the communication partner does the verbal output so it just depends on the system Um, but what we do find sometimes is that children really respond to that consistency of speech that that the device um, might be using. So there's there's specific voices that you can choose, but obviously because it's a computerised voice, um, the way that the words are spoken every time is exactly the same, whereas in our general um, everyday life, the child is hearing that word in a multitude of different voice tones and different inflections and we all pronounce words slightly differently. So we have found that that consistency of production of words coming from the device can actually really help the child with expressing that word as well. So we often encourage them if they do have verbal skills to sort of reflect back what they've chosen on the device as well. So it might be I like playing on the playground so you can make quite a long sentence there's grammar support in there so it really helps to teach sentence structure and length in the um the sentence length as well Mm. Mm. it's amazing what we can do these days isn't it with technology and everything yeah (laughs) we've come a long way 
Um, all righty, let's head to the five rapid fire questions. So um, what, number one, what is one habit that our listeners can implement today? Oh, definitely. I think just making visuals apparent in the child's environment is something that I would really encourage everyone to think about. And like we talked about, there's a lot of free tools, even just using gesture to support what you're saying um, and and pointing out visuals in the general environment, like stopping at a stop sign and actually pointing it out for the child. So really focusing on visuals that are all around us uh, and then maybe popping some labels around uh, can make a huge difference. Just having those visuals in front of us, um, yeah, will make a big difference to the child's development. Mm, I love that. I love using the visuals in everyday life um, at a stop sign, wherever you are. I think that's so important because that is in the real life context. You know, that's um, happening then and then and now. And I think it's so important that we harness that. So we're always coming back um, to sort of teachable moments. Um, yeah, definitely. Two, um, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? I think it's a question that sort of flicks back to what we were talking about before and um, what I what I would love if, if families spoke to their speech pathologist about is will visuals improve my child's expressive language and behaviour because um, that link between communication and behaviour is not, not really well. People have trouble understanding the importance of visuals and they do shy away from them sometimes in the fear of it affecting that expressive speech. But if that happens in the early years, so much um, opportunity has been missed um, to integrate those visuals and influence behaviour as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, love it. Number three, what book would you recommend that all parents read? I think um, that one of the big differences um, that so it can be made to a family's life uh, to really understand behaviour. And when I say the word behaviour, I know a lot of people will think of challenging behaviours, inappropriate behaviours, but it's important to think that behaviour is actually everything we do. So any action we do is a behaviour, even speech or gestures, anything that we do is a behaviour. So in that in that light, um, the book that I would suggest is Raising a Child with Autism, a guide to applied behaviour analysis for parents because I think once we understand that, um, everything else just makes sense. Okay, excellent. It's another one for parents to add to their list. <laughs> um, yeah. Number four, what is one of your unfinished bucket list items? Oh. It's hard to choose one, um, but professionally I would love to write a book. So that's something that I've had on the side project for a while um, that I've started working on. So that that's really exciting. And I do have a travel bucket list, which is to go um, to see the aurora, aurora, aurora Borealis, which um, I think would be absolutely beautiful yes stunning and um i'd love to find out what your book is about if you're willing to share (laughs) yeah i i do find that um i uh 
parent upskilling parents on modeling and prompting and just communication strategies that they can use every day at home and for them to identify where their child with their communication and where they can can go with that uh, in sort of a parent-friendly um, format so that's sort of the aim of the book yeah excellent oh practical that I think that's what parents need more than anything is some really practical yeah. advice on what they can do at home you know um, you know and and I suppose mm. it's about feeling empowered um, so parents feel part of the whole intervention process. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Can't wait. You'll have to let us know when it's out. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, number five, last question. If you could only offer one piece of advice to the parents who are tuning in today, what would it be? It's tricky to choose one piece, but I, I think um, my tip would be always push for more, but don't push too hard. So you really need to find that sweet spot between too hard and too easy and keep moving along that track step by step and really breaking it down what can the child achieve and just moving along there so you're not making it too hard where it's frustrating or too easy where they're not progressing so that would be my tip Mm, just the right balance it's finding just the right challenge isn't it yeah okay Awesome. And, yep. and how can our listeners find out more about you and the work that you do? And if anyone is in the Newcastle area and they want to, um, yeah, have you as their therapist, how can they get in contact? Well, the best place to go would be our website, which is Small Talk Spin. And we have oh, everything sorry, on there, just cut out there, the online shop. I was just going to oh, say, so it's, yeah, okay. it's smalltalkspeechpathology.com.au. Yes. Yep, small talk speech therapy. Um, we have our online shop. You can, we have a huge amount of blogs um, that you can look up any topic you want. So we have we have blogs on there about AAC and visuals. So you can read a little bit more there. Page um, we share a lot of content on there to try and educate people in the community as well. Awesome. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, has cut out a little bit at the end, so we'll put all the links to all the. Um, all the devices and the different apps that you've recommended. We'll put links to um, your website and, um, yeah, everything into the notes on www.homebasehope.com.au. Um, I just want to thank you so much, Shay. I know it's been a little bit tricky trying to get in touch with you and our connection's been a little bit poor, but um, we've made it through and um, thank you so much. I mean, everything you've um, given us has been so comprehensive and um, I really think that your clients down in the Newcastle area are so lucky and so blessed to have someone who's so passionate about helping kids um, with their communication because it, um, it, it really means the world of difference to a child. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rhiannon. It's something that we are really passionate about, educating people in the community and supporting, supporting local families. So Awesome. Thanks, Shay. I'll talk to you later. okay thanks okay bye thanks guys for listening i really hope you got some value out of today's conversation now i would love to connect with you i am really active over on instagram and facebook so i'd love it if you came over and you said hi all you have to do is search home base hope and you will find me there now if you don't know already i am a lover of essential oils and a doTERRA wellness advocate 
I really believe in the value of essential oils. And if this is something that you would like to explore and learn how you can use them in your family's life, then please get in touch. I would love to connect with you. And also, if you head over to Homebase Hope website, so that's homebasehope.com.au, I have created lots of visuals and social stories. So visuals in terms of first then, choice boards, visual schedules for toileting, getting ready in the morning. I've done all the hard work for you. Um, these are printables that are available on the, on the website so you can access today. Finally, if you love this fortnightly injection of information, please subscribe to the podcast. All you have to do is head to iTunes and hit the subscribe button. And every fortnight, you will get an instant notification of the latest interview. If you do like the show, please jump on iTunes and leave a five-star review so more people can discover this podcast and so we can inspire positive change for more people living on the spectrum. You can access all of the show notes and other episodes at homebasehope.com.au. And until next time, guys, I encourage you to open your mind, respect the differences, and above all, believe that you can make a difference from home base. See you soon, guys. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.